0: Oh, hi. Hi. And welcome to Relay Essay, a connected conversation about student affairs in Canada. Um, every person we try to interview mm-hmm. tells us who they think we should interview next. So there's kind of this baton that gets passed along from interview to interview. So it's kind of trying to create this connected conversation. And uh, my name is Adam Kewen, one of your hosts.
1: Oh, and I am the, the co-host of The Mostest, Nadia Rosemon, And this is the last
0: episode of the season. Our season finale. Yeah. <laughs> I wish we had like cliffhangers, like a scandal like <laughs> cliffhanger. Oh, yeah. Um, but we do have, well, we don't have any cliffhangers. We do have a phenomenal interview. So David Ibbian, who works at Glendon College, Mm -hmm. which is part of York University, was suggested um, this season by Janet Morrison. She was the one of the people that she was passing the baton along to. So it was super convenient. They were able to find a time and a location where the three of us could converge um, and have this amazing conversation.
1: Yeah, this is another tag team interview, which was really exciting.
0: Yeah, just so much energy.
1: I'm going to say, c'est bon. (laughs) Right? Some French there. Mm -hmm. That's for you, David.
0: (laughs) All right.
2: Let's get right to it. I will declare that I'm not the type to have any yes. It's worth all the shares. The number one podcast is student the best. Want to hear what they have to say. Along with all the guests that poppin' on the way. Without further delay, it's me be they, yes, eh? All right. So we're,
0: we're rolling. Do you want to tell us your name?
2: Uh, David Ippian.
0: David And where do you work,
2: David, if I currently work at Glendon Campus, York University, in Toronto.
0: All right, so... How did you get there? <laughs> <laughs> or what was your journey? Your
1: oh,
2: man. Um, so, I think I'd bring it back to... If I stick to the university context, yeah. I'd take it back to... Uh, s- through student leadership, through student government.
1: Oh. Okay. Um,
2: and prior to that, like in the high school area... Um, I was involved in student politics and then I told myself before I came to university because I I had a burnout kind of uh, scenario afterwards I was like, I never want to be involved in student (laughs) leadership again Mm. (laughs) and then through like you know peer mentorship I got you know sucked in but willingly back into student government in the in the university context but I think having learned from the experience in high school I was able to better manage my self-care and had a great experience and then kind of ended up in um, the student community leadership office uh, and asking them, how do you do what you do? And I think that's similar to many stories. Yeah. Um, and at the time, Ross McMillan then uh, was able to hire me as a, a like a leadership assistant, and then the rest is history. You know, so I got there, leadership assistant, um, filled in some interim roles, uh, contracts, and then uh, moved to Glendon. <coughs> um, thanks to um, I'm so happy. My mom, you know, forced me to uh, keep keep with my French studies, because Glendon is a bilingual campus, and so I, I started as the assistant there, and then sort of uh, eventually ended up in my current role now, which is Director of Student Affairs. Yeah.
0: So in high school, were you, like, kind of primed to take up leadership stuff, or did someone have to shoulder tap yeah. you? Like, what was your entry point there? Yeah.
2: That's a really good question. I, um, I'll go back a little bit to elementary school for context. I had this, like, amazingly powerful social anxiety where I'd hide from teachers, peers, in the classroom. So even when we were doing attendance, I'd hide under a chair. This was until about grade three. Oh. And then I would have to take... You know, you know sometimes i have to recite poems and do kind of mm-hmm. presentations. I'd have to do that during recess. So I would say, like, growing up, I was not primed to... You know, you wouldn't, seem, you wouldn't say, oh, this person's going to become...
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, he's going to kind of stay in the shadows.
0: Sure.
2: Um, but then through the martial arts... Uh, I kind of changed so I I got involved in karate Uh, really influenced by Bruce Lee and all that my dad wanted me to get involved so that was grade five and then grade 10 something just like changed in my own view of myself thanks to teachers who kind of lured me into a meeting where there was pizza they lured me into yeah they're like you want free pizza I'm like yeah sure and it ended up being an anti-bullying initiative with Ooh. a partnership with the Toronto Police Services. And it just spoke to me because I did expe- you know, experience some, uh, some of that growing up, the bullying. And then it just, it kind of like triggered a, like a, a, something that i I guess, deep down I wanted to talk about and help other youth uh, talk about and dialogue. And so I got into the mediation anti-bullying initiatives. And that was kind of my pathway as a grade 10 and then, and then student government. But it started there. Yeah. Well, so it kind that. of flipped me if That's you will. That's so amazing. Yeah. That is so
0: amazing. Yeah. And for it kinda, so many reasons.
2: Yeah, and it connected with the martial arts too, which is, you know, we could think that it's about, you know, contact, full contact fighting, but at the end of the day, it's more of an approach and an attitude towards life and confidence building, for me at least. Yeah. So it kind of connected nicely.
0: Which I think is one of those, we were going to ask you about your karate because I know that you're... <coughs> We have you quoted as saying that karate is not only a sport but an art form, that it could be a way of life and a mindset. Oh, wow. So, I know. <laughs> good quote. <pull. All> right. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> Our research team really uh, did a good job with this. Really in depth. So mm-hmm. what are the perhaps similarities or the ways that your karate mindset informs your work in student affairs? Yeah,
2: I think it's so deep. Um, I think, okay, so the first thing is I approach my work as an educator. Um, you know, whether it's my work as a manager or a, as, a, as um, a facilitator of student learning uh, or, or in my work as a course director at the university as well. Um, and the martial arts for me really um, infor- it infused in me the value of hard work, uh, smart work, and practice and learning. In the martial arts, like every in a session, it's very common to kind of fall, get back up, and thank your partner for teaching you a lesson. Mm. You know what I mean? So you get that resilience, that bounce back, and everything becomes about learning because the, it's so, such an iterative process. If you think about design thinking, except you're, you're designing your life through every practice um, because you're failing, literally, you're falling, you're getting hit, and then you're thanking your partner for the lesson, and then you try again, and then you try again, <laughs> and, and you grow together. So there's this, this whole thing in our dojo, the place of training, which is all about um, we want to be uh, happy but better than we were the la- yesterday the- than we were yesterday or than we were the last minute. Y- every punch needs to be more refined than the last punch and it requires this huge self-reflective practice and I think that's the connection to, to the student affairs practice which I approach as a, like a practitioner scholar right now which you know if you look at like theories of learning it really comes to, down to in my opinion, uh, self-reflection then that action mm. and then that that, that circular cold cycle right right so i think it was kind of a good prepar- uh, um, I sometimes i think in think in french a good training for student affairs
1: let's talk about the french <laughs> i'm so i and i live in toronto i've always lived in toronto but glendon college is our campus is such a like i've been there maybe once for like, a conference to present and i loved it but it's like a mystery to me, so like, mm-hmm. can you tell us a little bit more about your campus?
2: Yeah, the campus was an int- was a mystery to me as well. So when I applied, so I, I went to a full French school, so you know, there are like four kind of big public school boards in, in systems, school systems in Ontario. There's a French public, French Catholic, English yeah. public, English Catholic. I went to the French public system. And um, it's not uncommon for us to get, uh, to apply and then get accepted to the Glendon, University of Ottawa, and French language institutions. But because I went to a f- small French high school, I wanted the larger York experience, of so the Kiel campus. So I did get accepted to Glendon, but then I kind of requested to go to Kiel oh. to just experience the big... So it remained a secret to me up until, like I did five years of undergrad, and in my fifth year when I was working at the student leadership office, I saw a Facebook post from uh, one of my uh, good friends, and at the time was a mentor, she, she just posted, hey, bilingual friends on Facebook, um, anybody looking for a job, here's an, o- here's an opportunity at Glendon. And at the time, I was working in a contract, mm-hmm. so then I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll just apply to Glendon because it's a full-time entry-level job, which which looked great um, for me f- to practice French. And so I discovered the campus uh, after my undergraduate experience, and it's about 2,700 students, uh, a unique mandate. It's, it, it has a mandate under the, the French Language Services Act from the provincial government to serve... Um, francophone and bilingual uh, populations, bilingual English-French, um, and there's actually a lot of plurilingual activity happening on campus, actually, yeah. um, from indigenous language courses to other, um, and growing, so yeah, it's, it's a little gem yeah. in, in, in a forest, yeah,
1: exactly. and I think
2: connected to the, don't quote me on this, but Don Valley River.
1: I think so.
2: Glen Dunn. I know that there's the Dunn. That's the Don. The, oh. Yeah, and it used to be the Wood family's property, so it's actually really picturesque, and there's the, the their, it's their former property. There's the, man, the manor where the principal's office is, certain courses are there in, the, in like a historic gatehouse. Uh, sorry, in a historic manor, and we yeah. also have a historic gatehouse where there are student clubs. So it's kind of special that way. Yeah. It's very connected to the nature. You don't feel like you're in the city.
1: No, you don't.
0: It yeah. feels like another part
2: of. Yeah, and you walk around and hear tons of languages, but specifically yeah. French and English. And-
0: well, and this is I was I'm curious to know about like is the student life like how does it how does this manifest having kind of this language mm-hmm. um, mission does that play out in the clubs and organizations mm-hmm. and the government and the governments like how does this what is it how does it look like Yeah,
2: yeah, good what question. Does it look like? Great question. Uh, right now, we have like a policy under our current uh, principal who is our dean because Glendon is is a campus, is a faculty, and is also a college. In the York structure, we have college okay. system like the Oxford system. Um, we have like an asymmetric policy, meaning French first in our, in our official communications. When we start meetings, we try to, to begin in French. And then it's okay if it goes off to English, right? For things like orientation, student life programming, which are uh, really student-facing, uh, we recognize that many of the students are coming in, have varying levels of English and French. So we kind of, we, we go back and forth. Uh, and so it's common for student clubs as well in their meeting meetings and events to go back and forth between the languages, or even to break off into two different groups, but then always come back together. So, it takes more lead time in terms of preparation, marketing, and more intentionality. But it ends up uh, it it, ma- it puts that inclusion of the, of of some communities, more communities, I guess, at the forefront. You have to think about it ahead of time. Mm-hmm.
1: so interesting.
2: Does that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah.
1: And do you have any, um, how do I want to form this? I'm sure student issues are, like, similar and different no matter where you might be, but are there other unique twists regarding language on your campus? And you, I guess that yeah. might touch upon the movement of um, the calls to action, asking for more indigenous languages within yes. post-secondary, so I don't know if that. Yes, yes, yeah. absolutely. Okay.
2: Um, so there's a movement right now... Um, to create a francophone university in Ontario, right? Mm-hmm. So we have students who are <laughs> for or against and in between, yeah. um, and many students, um, whether they identify as francophone or not, it could be franc. We call it francophile. So um, francophile, um, m- also on campus, regardless of the francophone university, w- w- they they might want more services in French or and create opportunities in French. So and then and then when we have um, different EDI considerations there's like another layer when you add the linguistic uh, barriers, uh, access to information, or even cultural sensitivities. Um, so on the international student side, uh, I think we can talk about a lot about you know common issues at which international students face. But then what about French language international students? Yeah. And so we often bring in tr- um, community organizations. And so there's, a, there's an additional layer of consideration. Okay. Yeah. Um, when, when there's an intersectionality in language, race, ethnicity, status. It it's really interesting, yeah. Well,
1: I would yeah. Never, that's cool. And, and I would never have yeah. thought of it, and, and until
2: I, I mean, I I did experience it in, in high school and such, but I was in the French public system, so I do a lot. Of, I had to do a lot of advocacy on behalf of the French school board. Glo, uh, to the education ministry, that was kind of my role at the time, at the end of my high school career. Um, but then I went to Kiel campus, which was very much an anglophone, anglo dominant. Yes. Um, Sorry, those words are common in, in the French language. Anglo, I don't know if it makes sense in English, like Anglo and Franco. Yeah. But anyway. Um, so I kind of got detached. But then coming back to Glenn and I was reminded of, the, of, of these different sensitivities and needs of the different communities when you add the linguistic barrier mm-hmm. or factor. It's not always a barrier. Yeah.
0: And you also did a, like a presentation at ACPA a couple years ago, which yeah. I'm still uncertain of the pronunciation I'm going with.
1: Pachaka Cha. That's how I That's the song that helps me remember
0: it. Because now we're doing it, they brought it to caucus this year and I think people are, it's now that whole learning again where people are (laughs) pronouncing it different ways. But you did one of those presentations. Yeah, yeah. That was kind of about the French language experience, right?
2: That's right. Yeah, that was, on a personal level, that was probably the toughest presentation I've ever done in my life because of the timing, the pachakacha. Yeah. Right? Just just the demands of uh, having to do, like, you have automatic advancing slides and you have to, and I tend to think theoretically first, and, and so I, try, I, I think I loaded it with a little too much theory and then kind of tried to then distill it in that short talk. Um, yeah, I was talking about supporting Francophone student success, yeah. and the concepts I was using was, was Tinto's concept of social integration, uh, which is all about um, part of student success you got the academic integration, but also the social integration. So what does that look like for Francophone students within a minority context, such as at Glendon campus? And then I brought in uh, the pedagogy of the oppressed, Frere's uh, kind of approach, um, and used my own experience. And I think what's been most successful for me uh, and our community, like the communities I've worked with at Glendon and beyond in terms of Francophone communities is really, it's going to sound cliche, but really... not providing programs for, but working with the community um, and building it up from the ground up. That's when it's been most successful. I think when I've built programs for the community, even though I identify as Francophone, I just didn't feel that uptake, right? But once we brought them around the table, and often it was to respond to issues related to EDI where there were um, uh, uh, sensitivities, Mm -hmm. that's where we were able to build the most the most relevant to meet their needs to meet needs of, of, of those communities Francophone students so yeah there's this idea of working with the communities not without mm-hmm.
0: amazing and anyone can look it up it's still on YouTube so if anyone wants yeah. to look it in more detail yeah. it's still available yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah. out there
1: um, I guess that kind of leads to like our other questions that we had for you when you talked about some of your involvement beyond and in the community so our research team <laughs> mm-hmm. discovered that you were a board of directors for access yeah. so tell us a little bit about you know what your role is and what that nonprofit does Yeah
2: yeah so um, the involvement with access uh, started a long time ago I believe when I was in maybe second year university. access was this, Allowing chance at children at education group, which started off in Brampton, good friend Daniel Francovilla was a founder. Uh, He's now the creative director uh, for for Now Creative, and um, he he started this like he was just he he went on the um, on a trip right uh, to South America, and then started a group where that um, provided school supplies to children in in uh, in countries like Dominican and and whatnot in Honduras. he was then graduating high school and I was in in second year Uh, so he he was about he had this really performing uh, group called Access but they were all going to split into different colleges and universities so he needed someone to help them restructure this new model create a governance structure for local university chapters and because I had experience with that uh, he brought me in and then uh, we also applied for an Ontario Trillium Trillium grant um, and like Miraculously got it and as we were able to do a lot of good things with that group So at first it was about school supplies then it became about incubating local youth organizations or training working with uh, youth-led organizations uh, with a uh, Who are working for social good? So currently we we, we work with those groups and provide anything from leadership development to uh, marketing communications um, support for for youth-led organizations, and I think we actually just held a access pitch um, about a month ago in Toronto, and then in Brampton, and uh, we had some funding to give to different 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 groups with who are who are working towards uh, social good. Yeah, oh, that's great. Yeah, that's good.
0: Mm. I feel like we've gone, talked about the karate and talked about your background and <laughs> yeah. access. I also, I feel like we should zoom back to your student affairs Sure. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> probably at some point. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so tell us, like, what's your, your, what does your week-to-week look like in, in your role at Glendon? Yeah.
2: So my role at Glendon, I'll start off by defining the scope of the role and then it'll help. Um, so broadly speaking, I'll speak to functional areas. Uh, currently, uh, I've got a great team responsible for the uh, Student life, student activities, leadership development, orientation, you know, peer mentorship, first-year experience, residence life, uh, crisis conduct, um, and then the accessibility services, the health, education, promotion, wellness, and counseling. So that's the team. That's the scope. So on a daily basis, every day looks different, but I have to say that every hour is different because, as you know, working in, in student life and student affairs... Uh, things pop up all the time, and because we're on a small campus, uh, it we wear multiple hats, um, yeah. which is very good um, for certain things like moving change or perspective, uh, integration of services, and thinking about the whole student. But then, very difficult and taxing uh, when you have different peak. Area, peak um, times in all the portfolios may sometimes oh. clash, right? For example, like a, a student crisis can happen anytime, and that becomes priority. Then everything else stops. Right. So sometimes I've got these... Um, uh, some weeks I'll have a student crisis, usually, uh, or, or a group's crisis, um, and then everything drops. Uh, and I focus on that, because that's where the core need is. Other weeks, um, it could... It, oh, and then and then there's, there's HR, management, yeah. and leadership as well, uh, and strategy, uh, that that's what I'm doing a lot this week, uh, and in between, you know, student hiring, student leader consultations, um, staff consultations, um, and uh, and I do a lot of one-on-ones with staff. Uh, I just really believe in that, um, and on a small team with such a big portfolio, it's important to develop, um, I believe, leadership within each individual staff. That's how we can function. Otherwise, it bottlenecks. Um, if, if we're too hierarchical, I think. so. I've got this horizontal approach, and then the hierarchy exists for accountability reasons. Right. Yeah. Like, like, I'm going to say, I'm going to take accountability if, if something, you know...
0: Yeah, you own
2: it. I own it, you know what I mean? Yeah.
0: And what does it look like? What's the relationship? Like, for folks who've never worked at um, an institution with multiple campuses or at mm-hmm. a campus that is a, a college and a faculty, that, and there's, like, a larger campus that they're working with, like, what is your... Are you totally separate in your own oh, functional thing? Yeah. Do your counselors talk to counselors oh, like at yeah. the Kiel campus? Okay. Like how do you navigate the relationship with like a larger, yeah. larger campus?
2: That's a really good question. And I completely forgot that that's a big part of my week to week, I'd say. Um, I'm on average I'm at the Kiel campus once a week, mm. but three or four times a week, maybe three to four hours a week, I'm I'm negotiating, dialoguing, collaborating with Kiel colleagues, whether it be video or, or, or phone. Mm. Um, for the, our areas in student life, uh, lots of collaboration with with um, the team at Kiel, um, and then for areas of accessibility, well-being, and counseling, there is we, we participate in their weekly meetings, but there's no reporting structure or or uh, or even uh, formal accountability that it's way. Just like it's best more practices, it's more best practices, community of practices, yeah. uh, networks. Um, we highly value it. I don't think we could do our job effectively without. Creating it. because you can imagine being the sole um, accessibility counselor on a campus, and not having a network. Yeah. it, it well, gets it's so demanding, right? Um, yeah. Right. Or being the sole student life coordinator oh, yeah. on campus, right? So those networks are important to build. I'd say that I'd say that the way it looks is relationship building, and and yeah, yeah. We're, we're looking at re- that's where we focus on relationship building with, with central and and vice versa, and it helps that I worked. In, in central, Yeah,
1: that's true. Um,
2: I've worked in the, coll- in the college system, and I've worked in the central, and then I moved over to Glendon and brought over some of those relationships mm-hmm. to, to complement the existing relationships that existed at Glendon and Keele. Um, and depending on the, the, the dean, or the principal as we call them, they might have a, you know, like a dean would have external relations policy. Sometimes they would have a policy where it's like, depending on the dean, we do our own thing at Glendon, you know?
1: Oh. Right.
2: And then sometimes we have a policy, depending on who's in charge, where it's like, let's enhance collaboration uh, and efficiencies yeah. by working together and currently we're in that state which works well for me yeah
0: are there any strategies or approaches in kind of cultivating and nurturing those relationships that you've found because I think sometimes it can become really territorial or it can become oh, yeah. really com- competitive Absolutely. even though that's not like the yeah. front facing everyone's of course like yeah we should be more collaborative but then oh, yeah. there's a little bit of there's histories and politics yeah. that go along with that so what are some yeah. strategies that you use mm-hmm. that, or that you have seen to be very useful
2: yes um, yeah, I totally feel that um, it's complex. And even on, if you think of even on one campus, there are different, that, even, that dynamic can happen even between areas on, on one campus, only so you add another layer.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, and I think it's been increasing as well with fiscal restraints, sure. which are becoming a reality in many mm-hmm. institutions. Strategies that work, um, I think are, I love the community of practice uh, model which has really worked well at York for the, um, we have a community of practice for peer leaders, uh, sorry, uh, for um, staff who work with peer leaders. So it's, and then we develop informally or formally like a common framework, language, structure. And, And at first it's just to get people together and then through relationships, then they might develop something like and more formal, So I think getting people together in the same room with a common purpose, like training, centralized training yeah. that is flexible mm-hmm. but also meets the needs of each unit, that's great. Resource sharing, then, then resource sharing happens first. So I think if I had to put in steps, it's get people together with a common purpose first, yeah. and then things can flow if there's some intentional leadership there. That's one model that works. The other model is um, at some point we can't rely on relationships only. I, I like the service level agreements model as well, mm-hmm. which we're exploring right now. In some of our some of our <laughs> units, I have um, so for example, because of the scope of uh, my role and some of my team's role, we have up to seven or eight equivalents at the Hill Campus. Okay. So I on a di- on a weekly basis, I might have to interact with eight other directors who have oh, okay. different specialized functions. And my my student life coordinator might have to interact with three or four other. Um, like the leadership person, the orientation person, the other orientation person yeah. <laughs> on the other campus, right? right. And, and we're going to be expanding to Markham, so we do need to. So I, that's when I think SLA students' um, service level agreements become important. Yeah.
0: Well, especially when I think when you invest in relationships, but then a person changes or whatever. Exactly. Goes on that that's going true. On, and yeah. How do you um, yeah. have a way to systematize, yeah. not those relationships, but yeah. those um, understandings?
2: Yeah. Oh, and actually, um, about the relationships, if I have to say one more thing is. For example, when I, uh, and my colleagues do this too, when we go to Kiel Campus, I might have one meeting, right, booked in my calendar, but as soon as I know that's there, I will try to look at, it's kind of like, I'll kind of look at who have I not uh, had a nice chat with mm. in the last month or so, and book coffee or lunch, or if there's a, actually a business item to discuss. Even if we book coffee or lunch, there are business items that come up, inevitably. Yeah. So it's about maintaining uh, that contact. We often say, like, mm. out of sight, out of mind. It's not that people intentionally forget about Glendon campus at the Keele campus. It's just we're out of sight, so it's out of mind, right? Uh, It's natural, I think. Natural, and we have to put instructors in place to do it. Um, And and Keele colleagues are also good at saying, hey, you know what, why don't we come over to Glendon this time, right? And sometimes I, I might feel bad because it's seven of them, one of me. right. But oh, yeah,
1: yeah. but you know mm-hmm. if
2: it happens once a year it's great let's let's receive it and we'll host you we'll take you to the rose garden at Glendin or
1: Ooh. through
2: the through the through the trails you know um, the outdoor trails
1: yeah it's, a lot, work, work, it it yeah. it's yeah, a lot of work though
2: it is it's a lot of work it's yeah yeah
1: what does a, I guess for myself what what does a service agreement like look like uh-huh. is this an agreement between like two depart like um, yeah. Two departments. Yeah, that, so what's
2: your area, sorry? In uh, special Oh yeah, policy. okay.
1: Great. Yeah, so I'm and I'm a manager of uh, student life and international student center, so student life would be oh, yeah. some of the things you mentioned like yeah. orientation, leadership, yeah. clubs, yeah. first year programs, yeah. community. Yeah. To name a few. Yeah. So, and then we're a tri-campus as well, so I'm yeah. Scarborough, Adams mm-hmm. uh, St. George campus, so mm-hmm. I'm just trying to imagine what that would yeah, I've never heard of. I've, it sounds so obvious, but I'm like,
2: I never. Yeah, no, it's great. So <laughs>
0: heard of it? No, go
2: ahead. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, right now, we're trying to keep it simple. So we're what? What are our goals, and then how? So, oh, okay. for example. Um, Example? can I use? Okay, let's just use our example. Yeah. Between you and I, for okay. example. Uh, let's say I'm your, uh, your, your smaller other campus and you do central orientation. Yeah. So it's going to look like this. I have a, we have college presidents, student council presidents. Um, what is that going to look like? I, I, I employ them or do you employ them? And how many days a week will they be on your campus and how many days a week will be on our campus? So we write one day on campus for central, mm-hmm. four days on, cam- on our campus uh, for faculty-related work. Um, orientation will take place at the Scarborough campus um, so to provide e- equitable access we need, to, we, need to bring, we need to have buses who's going to pay for the buses and what's the rationale do we break it down by uh, full-time enrollment numbers or do we break it down by you know, other principles uh, let's say the government gives us funding for mental health which is it, a lot of that's coming down it goes straight to central and then we do have a discussion Okay, um, how are we going to split that money if at all well, usually you do, right? Yeah. Um, but sometimes it it's, it's, uh, it's, it's doesn't come down to money. It's just, hey, you've got some great workshops. Uh, we've got some great workshops. Where can we collaborate? Maybe we'll come down to your campus offer one, and you come down to campus offer, offer one, and it just goes down into a one-pager, and uh, we sign it. And then we have a, also a, a term. Like, we, we agree to re-look um, look at this again yeah. in a year or so and edit
0: I oh, like it. Yeah, it's like memorandum. Of yeah,
2: yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, right? yeah, so yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. No, yeah,
1: I like it because, like you mentioned, a lot of times we are able to collaborate with people because of relationships. But so then, if someone leaves yeah. or is on on leave, yeah. like then it's yeah. the the paper trail yeah. helps.
2: Yeah, and, and you know what? What I love most about it is, I don't want to be. Um, I want our conversations with my partners to be focused on, uh, on on students and student success. I don't want to have. Uh, our conversation be like, oh, remember to come here, or remember about us, you know?
1: Oh, okay.
2: So, yeah. but if we have agreements, we don't have to have these, I don't have to be, I don't, we don't have to have both ways these kind of reminder conversations. It's just, it's de facto, we're talking about students, it's all students, not just the students on your campus, not the students on my campus. Yeah. They're all York students in our camp- context. I think that's what yeah. I like about it most. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so, you are kind of like York through and through, right? Like, that's where you did your undergrad, that's where you've kind of been working in at London, and you also did your master's there, right? Yeah. Tell us about that. And that was, was that part-time while you were working? The, the master's? Yeah. Yeah.
2: So, um, remember I was saying earlier that I was, uh, oh, maybe I didn't say this, but when I went to school, undergrad, I thought I was going to go into law, and then I switched to mediation, which is why, I've, and then... And then found student affairs in my fifth year, that final year. So my fifth year was rock, like really rocky because I didn't realize I was going to do a fifth year. Um, it's just that I, in my fourth year, I realized I didn't take a specific credit that I was supposed to take. That's
1: what happened
2: to me? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh well, let's get a work study job yeah. and and enroll in a post grad certificate. For me, it was mediation because at the time I was like, I'm going to become a mediator. Okay. Right. Um, and so. As I apply, So I applied for the mediation. I was doing my work-study job with Russ McMillan and student community leadership development. Loved it. Read the social change model. I met you, Adam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually. And then...
0: exactly uh,
2: what it was at Guelph. Yeah. That's we right? at that Guelph. Yeah. yeah, that's so cool. Um, and then was like, okay, I'm going to apply for a master's at the same time. So I, I realized I wanted to do the master's in ed in November. And I think the deadline for OISE was December. So got it in. And then got the York one in. And at the same time, my friend... It, a mentor colleague posted that job about Glendon all at the same time.
1: Wow. So
2: I applied for (laughs) full-time grad studies. But then when I got the job at Glendon and um, I wanted to maintain the full-time job for various reasons, and so then I switched to Mm -hmm. part-time York to facilitate transportation. And uh, OISU would be a little harder for me to get to. um, And really loved the part-time experience. I think... um, Like, I like to integrate lots of stuff in life. I think I'm a bit of a, like, I I get addicted to being busy but also values-based busy. Mm -hmm. Uh, And sometimes I get in the trap of being busy being busy, which I try to be mindful of. And the master's helped me be grounded, actually, in my work. It it kind of, you know, being in those seminars and and doing the readings, which were exhausting, were also inspiring. Um, And like I said earlier, like, I think in terms of theories. So it kind of worked with my learning Preference. We don't talk about learning styles anymore, apparently, right? So learning preference in the learning skills world. Um, so I really valued it. You know, I took classes on internationalization, which at the time I was overseeing international student services as well mm-hmm. at Glendon. Um, student experience, policy, which, reminded, which blended my high school experience with uh, governance experience at York. So it's really cool, yeah. Um, and you could write papers on... Your orientation programming, and then literally, do it, yeah. right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: that's true. Like
2: it's like, huh? I want to improve this program. Well, let's just write a paper about it, and then, and then here we go. We've got the documents, and everything. Yeah, I'm sure you've experienced that.
0: Yeah, and I remember feeling surprised because for me, and I don't know where this came from, but like school and scholarship always felt like it had to be theoretical. Yeah, And so, yeah. for the first time, they're like, no, write a paper about this thing. And you're like, I'm allowed to? Let's yeah, that's still. Mm, that's like true. I think it just I had a limited understanding of like learning and scholarship yeah. and so, like, no it can actually be applied and actually encouraging to apply theory to practice is an important exactly. skill exactly
2: exactly. Yeah. I think first in theory but I, but I live in practice so I love creating that connection just made me so uh, passionate when I was in my undergrad I never saw myself going towards grad school like I don't really I didn't, f- I, I didn't want to yeah, but too. it's just just because I got interested in the work yeah. and then it made sense And then, so I just applied for a PhD because I'm interested. Uh, And thanks to listening to your podcast and other people's podcasts where I was like, you know what? Like, there's a lot to discover in this world and I just need a forum to channel that energy. Maybe it's the PhD. Maybe. If I get in, this is all public now. I might not, I might not get in. (laughs) No, you're getting in. We're going to manifest it. Yes, exactly. That's so exciting. Amazing. Following in your footsteps.
0: Oh man, that's, that's huge. That's very
2: exciting.
0: Yeah. One of the other things that we want to... Oh, yeah. Oh, so we have, like, kind of two other themes that we <laughs> want to talk about, and you can pick which one you want to talk about. Sure. The first one is um, about your teaching, because you, we also found that you have uh, some readings on Write Your Professor, Oh. Uh, so we can talk about that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the other one is around Relationship Zen.
2: Oh, wow. Could we do so, both?
0: Yeah. Well, we can do both, but which order would you like to Oh,
2: talk about? all right, Let's start with teaching.
0: Yeah, oh, Okay. <laughs> so uh, some of the quotes uh, that we found were uh, a student who literally took the time to add you to the Rate right My Professor board so they could talk about how great you are. Classes are fun and engaging. He thought this would be a bird course, but he's taught me more in Pathways to Lifelong Learning than I've learned in my harder classes, and he's adapted to the dynamics of the class and knew everyone by name, and there was over 50 of us. So wow. I think those are just a few of the comments of just people really valuing your approach. So how did you come to take on the teaching role? Yeah. and? Tell us about your approach. How are you able to get these superstar reviews? Good
2: ratings. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Um, I really loved the, I, the teaching experience. And I hope, you know, uh, how I got into it. Okay, I believe in this thing called that I call and that I've learned to be called, referred to as intrapreneurship. So there's entrepreneurship, like relationships, and in the martial arts school that uh, we can get to later. But entrepreneurship is like being having that entrepreneurial spirit within a institution, a 9-to-5 job, which, as we know in a student life, is not a 9-to-5 job, but you know, just to use the expression. And so uh, York had these academic, academic innovation fund, pockets of funding that we had to apply for as faculty members. And at Glendon at the time, I was reporting to a faculty member, like a associate principal, associate dean, student services. And we got along... Rosanna Frigirelli, Dr. Roge- Rosanna Frigirelli. Um Huge impacts on my career, as did many other people. Um, and she was ambitious. And so we, we, we've we done a number of AIF applications, successful AIF applications, from university preparedness programs to uh, a student leadership course, uh, which was my first time helping to build a, a, a four-credit course. And then uh, later on this course, Pathways for Lifelong Learning, which is really uh, a uni 101 first-year seminar um, and we based it on, on the theory and research and evidence coming out of the first-year experience um, research out of the States. South, I don't want to name it because I might say it wrong, but if you type it in Google, you'll find it. <laughs> uh, the first-year experience conference we went to. And um, that's how I got into it, uh, and that's how I think I got into a lot of these things that are kind of... Um, Beside my 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 role as an administrator, it's through these volunteer kind of extra opportunities, and partnering with faculty members and other 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 administrators, um, and so we built the pathways course. Was able to teach it for two semesters, and um, we hope to scale it across York because we know that it has such an imp- profound impact on on student learning and development, and uh, if you will retention for those you know mm-hmm. who measure retention. Um, and it really, I really gained a huge appreciation for faculty members and the mm. work they do. You know, not that I didn't have it before, but you know, in the literature, there's often in the student affairs literature, there's you know, how to collaborate with faculty members, and it's kind of pick, paints it in some literature as like two sides of the house. Yeah. Right. We are after the same thing. I, you know, I like to think, and the the student experience is complex. But I, for Glen students, they spend about five hours outside of classroom on campus so they're spending up to 15 hours or more in class and so that's a significant part of the student experience so if we can bring in a lot of the student development and learning theory that we are so good at as student affairs practitioners in the classroom I just think it would be so powerful really more powerful than it already is and some 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 institutions are doing it really well but that's what motivated me to do the this 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 course um and then we're studying the impacts of it and um seems to be really good so far like like surprisingly good and um, but I'm biased. But, <laughs> yeah. but I didn't do the research. We had an external yeah. reviewer Smart. do the research. <laughs> I, yeah. So did I answer the question? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Okay.
1: <laughs> okay, so I I love looking at your website that of Relationship Zen that you established with your partner. So, like, what inspired, like, this initiative? What is it? What yeah. is yeah. it? Everything. I want right, to know.
2: Right, right. So Relationship Zen started in... Uh, Relationships on. .ca started between my partner and I Lindsay Ostrasser um, in uh, when we first started dating uh, in my fourth or fifth year um, forgive me I can't remember <laughs> the, the year uh, and it was just because we w- we wanted I was working with a life coach at the time because I was going through some some like things I needed like this training life training I, I, I felt like and I was doing I was doing six days a week martial arts and so it was a full-on holistic life coach. And I learned a lot from him. And one of the things I learned was uh, how to be intentional about our our intimate relationships. And it wasn't like a direct learning outcome that he had, but it just kind of sparked. And I was like, I could approach the way we approach fitness or strategy and business from a holistic perspective for relationships. Mm-hmm. And then we, I met Lindsay, and then she kind of had the same vibe. And so we started off reading just reading the coaching books I would get from, from the coach together. Oh, okay. And then we were just applying it in our day-to-day relationship. And then we're like, we should journal about this. And she was working for like, um, the university, and she was doing blogs. She was like, oh, well, we could write it online like, just to you know, practice. Uh, and it was just for ourselves. It was just to be reflective about our relationship and improve our relationship uh, um, even better than it was um, for us. And then our friends started reading it, and they're like, hey you should like make this public and we're like okay it's kind (laughs) of weird but like okay let's do it you know sure and within months we were getting like 30,000 hits a month what like internationally I don't know how it was a google website you know like I think you could create a google page right and then we were getting requests we were getting and then we moved it to wordpress because that was like the big thing and then we were getting requests from like book authors to review their books and then requested to do podcasts from people we hadn't met. We got immersed into this entrepreneurship life. Um, and I mentioned Daniel Francovilla, who I worked with Access. He's a he's really good connector. And he connected with people. But then, you know, quite frankly, uh, I started working full-time. And so this was about a year of, like, success. I put that in uh, quotations because, mm-hmm. you know, you can define success so many ways. I, I didn't see it that way. I saw it as, like, I got scared, <laughs> to be frank. That's
1: a law. yeah. I became very
2: afraid. Uh, I didn't know it at the time. But I didn't want to, you know, there's that imposter syndrome. And also, like, I don't, I, I had this thing where it's like, th- we're not, we're not, oh yeah, what is it? It is a, uh, it is what we call it right now, it's inspiration for millennials uh, who want to experience more happy, fulfilling, simple relationships. Uh, we know that intimate relationships can be quite heavy, toxic, complicated. So we apply um, principles of mindfulness, intentionality, and strategy to relationships. In, and what we do is, we learn it, and we discuss our experiences on the blog, in an educative format. Um, and now we offer workshops, retreats, and coaching. Uh, and that's that's what relationships Zen is. I'm sorry, I didn't start with the what. That's okay. That
1: was, <laughs> no, <it's laughs> good. Uh, that's a good backstory, though. Yeah,
2: and uh, so I got scared, and Lindsay never lost hope. Uh, kept trying You know, kept trying to write, encouraged me to write, and you know, we went from writing multiple posts a month to writing some at at our lowest once a year but it still had a little bit of traction, you know, like 10 viewers a, a month or whatever. And that was never our goal, but just a contrast between 30,000 mm-hmm. and
1: 10. Yeah.
2: And then we came back and re- rebranded and then, not rebranded, but now, with, now I feel comfortable and I've integrated myself. I feel like I, 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 there's a space for it in my life, yeah. relationships then. And uh, it fits. Very and cool. It is us. I think I had to just come to terms with, it's not that I'm, it, it is me. It is Lindsay. Yes. Do you know yeah. what I mean? When you own it, yeah, I was just afraid that I didn't want to be a couples counselor or a couples therapist or a couples psychologist. That's not what it is. Yeah. It's just, it's inspiration. It's educative. It can be therapeutic, but it is not therapy. Yeah. If you will, if you will. Mm. Yeah.
0: Oh, thanks for sharing. Yeah. Oh, So good. Um, well, it, that brings us to, like, the rapid-fire questions, if right? you're ready. Yeah.
1: <laughs> do you want okay, do you want to try a bilingual component where I say one in English and you practice
0: okay. your own French? if I okay
1: <laughs> you can say no but I was we in my head try. I was like oh maybe one or two one or okay two. let's see if I can do this think about I'll kill time by reading some and then you could you know like you figure out you know what I mean pourquoi pas pourquoi pas <laughs>
2: alright
1: okay favorite Olympic sport
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mentioned at the video that rapid fire questions will be hard for me okay <laughs> karate is coming into the Olympics Ooh. so that'll be fun because I'm a karate cop uh, that's what I'd say for now. Nice. Selfishly.
1: <laughs> Last book you read?
2: Oh, uh, it was a book on anxiety by a New York Times journalist called. I don't know. It's got a blue cover, but it's uh, she goes through the science of anxiety, and I was reading it. Oh. It's awesome.
0: Okay, I think I might be ready. Okay. But you have to correct me if I'm wrong. Cause oh. I I, oh. Save space. It's I don't okay. Think my mom listens to this, so no, she won't no, be about by my terrible French. Um, si vous pouvez échanger une journée avec quelqu'un d'autre um, qui est-ce que vous voulez, vous voulez échanger une journée avec Hmm.
2: So, so oui, si je pouvais um, jouer jouer le rôle de quelqu'un d'autre ou avoir une expérience avoir ce genre d'expérience, je choisirais hmm. Uh the Dalai Lama. Oh. Papa not because I'm religious or anything like this, that like but I just I'm interested. Mm-hmm. And I wanna see how he how he how day to day. And yeah, that'd be cool. Nice.
1: Favorite Muppet? <laughs> That's my favorite question. I don't know why. Muppet? Yeah, favorite
2: Muppet. Okay. I don't know them. Like I know of them.
1: That's okay.
2: But I I, I is it the things that you put on your hand?
1: Yeah, like, think Kermit, Miss Piggy.
2: Miss Piggy, I like. Okay. Uh, because it's just, I recognize her. Yeah. Like, when you said Muppets, I thought of her, but I've never really seen anything.
1: One of your favorite movies?
2: I love, um, okay, The Last Samurai, even though, yeah, anyways, The Last Samurai, loved it, because <laughs> I love Samurai. And then um, I, um, I love Marvel movies. I'm really, like, I've been into superheroes, a, yes. like, my whole life so me too
0: I just feel like I'm being rewarded for being a comic book nerd yeah whole too. You yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're too and I love Liam Neeson's like Taken and all that oh
1: and like also I love like too. Denzel you
2: know Kills. Denzel uh, uh, Man on Fire
1: oh
0: that's a good movie yeah
2: yeah like th- those kind of movies that's a good movie <laughs>
0: amazing um is there something that folks would be surprised to learn about you
2: hmm well I guess I guess I gave a lot of stuff already hmm what else
0: like you have a pretty diverse and impressive resume yeah. like in addition to my like, like professional accomplishments. I do karate and some blogging and writing. And it's amazing. It's so diverse and, and like integrated.
2: Integrated, so yeah. I don't
0: know if there... It also sounds like you're very um generous with sharing your stuff, so I don't know if there's yeah. stuff
2: that... Yeah, I would just say, like, you know, yeah, my story... Like, I've given some of my story. I would just say that, like, you know, I, I truly see... Uh, I'm curious about... And Hamza Khan, I've talked to him about this, like burnout and such, because I talked mm-hmm. about how I had you know uh, some near experiences, and I'm, I'm doing a lot of research and working with uh, you know naturopaths and stuff around um, cortisol, adrenaline, um, and our adrenals and adrenal fatigue. So I would just say like s- self care. We talk about self care a lot, but I I'm learning a, I, 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 it's just such a deep field that I I I want to learn more about and. I struggle with, um, not to the extent that it affects my performance, I'm grateful for that, or my contributions, the way I serve, but I'm trying to live well and and long, I'm trying to think of the future, like, mm-hmm. you know, the as well, game. the long game, mm-hmm. and I think that's something that I learned the hard way when I was working, I used to work 16 hours a day in the office,
1: Wow.
2: so that's something that, I don't know if it's surprising, but only in student affairs, 16 hours a day, then I do all my other stuff after. And that was a tough year, and I don't want to do that again. And I've been putting a lot of work for the last three, four years intentionally to to scale back. So I would just say, like, for all of those people who are uh, grinding and and hustling and all that, if I can use that word, um, to be mindful and generous with yourselves. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. I feel like that's good. Kind to yourselves. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Kindness. Kindness. Yeah, kindness. Yeah. Um, that brings us to the end of all of our questions. But as you know, this is a relay, so Janet Morrison suggested she pass the baton on to you. So now our final question is: Yes, who would be next in, in our relay? Who should General. we speak to next, and, and why?
2: Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Janet. As well, Janet has done uh, has been really like a, a a pivotal person in my my career. So many other people as well at, at York. So I can name lots of people at York. But, but I want to kind of help the Relay SA mission and uh, in terms of national mission. And I will throw out Toby Strohan, who is an AVP, forgive me if I got the wrong title, student services mm-hmm. at Saskatoon Polytechnic. Ooh, okay. um, a, a very like She's had a very profound impact uh, when she was at Glendon. And I think she started off in the residence life, but she ended up being the chief, one of the chief student affairs officers at Glendon and then moved to Sask Polytechnic. Um, she's got a real like she's one of those people who uh, you know that di- management leadership dichotomy mm-hmm. she's, she's got it integrated mm-hmm. really integrated so I've learned a lot from a lot of my managers I've been you know um, but you know I think it'd be great to have her on the podcast uh, another one of my former managers is Aaron Dupe um, who currently is at uh, is a director at uh, University of Windsor in uh, one of the student life areas. Amazing. Um, him, too. Like, I think w- w- there's a saying at Glendon, even though he's, he's been gone for a number of years now, like, what would Aaron do?
1: Really? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, oh, these, are, wow. these are
2: people who have left legacies, yeah. right, in, 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 our com- in the community that I currently am in. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're both at different institutions, so I thought, go down to Windsor and Saskatoon.
0: Yeah, wow, road Perfect. trip. <laughs> well, yeah, for Does sure.
2: Saskatoon or Saskatchewan? I'm not sure. We'll, we'll find, find it. We'll our find research team I know it as SAS Polytechnic.
0: <laughs> it have a superb
2: research team though. <laughs> So I apologize in advance if I got that wrong.
0: <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. Thank that was you. brilliant. Okay. Thank yeah.
2: you. I I mean, thank you for what you're doing for the for the like the community, like the National Community of Student Affairs and Services. Like I feel like after each podcast I I get to know people on an individual level, <laughs> which is really special for our podcast. So thanks.
1: Oh, yeah. High five. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All
2: right.
0: Well, there it is. Magnifique! Fantastique. <laughs> that was so good.
1: That was fun. If people want to continue learning from the fabulous David Ipm, he is on Twitter at David Ipm. David Ipm. I am also on the Twitter at at Nad's Roses and Adam. Your handle is
0: at Adam Kuhn. K U H N.
1: Include the hashtag relay essay as well as the hashtag. Student Affairs. Like the SACPN S A C B N, is one that one. people
0: seem to be using quite a bit that I I, I really enjoy. Um, we want to give a shout out, a very special shout out to um, our friend and colleague Adrian Ross, who does our like theme mm-hmm. music. Thank and, you. I uh, did a whole new theme so- theme song for us for this season, so we're super grateful.
1: And finally, an invitation for those of you that are pondering, marinating on your own podcast creativity, whatever it might be, ideas about student affairs or maybe not, um, we're happy to share our SoundCloud account, um, our iTunes account to help launch your dream and support you and collaborate and, and help you. So don't hesitate. If you're curious about the process, reach out to myself and Adam.
0: Phenomenal. Thank you so much to all the folks that we were able to interview this season. We've got Chantal Joy, Ian Cull, Janet Morrison, Rob Shea, um, Anne Bartlett and David A.P.M. Thank were you. Phenomenal. Oh. Yeah.
1: Also, we, uh, we have to plug. It's not the end of Relay Essay. This is the end of the podcast season, but people will be able to see us.
0: Oh, yeah. Relay Essay live. Live! <laughs> yeah. I <laughs> Somehow, I don't really know how it happened, but our caucus proposal got accepted.
1: <laughs> thank you, caucus committee. <laughs> thank you, the programming
0: committee and all the reviewers who, who went through the rubric and somehow still gave us points. Thank you, thank you. Uh, but we're going to be doing a live taping at the caucus conference in Charlottetown, the caucus Uruk conference that's happening in Charlottetown this summer. So yeah, please come to our session. We promise it's going to be hilarious and interactive and, and super fun.
1: We are attempting a live relay. Yeah,
0: so stay tuned for what that looks like. But we're super pumped. All right, so hope to see you in Charlottetown. If not, we'll we'll see you around. See
1: you next season. Ah,
0: Thanks so much for joining us. Bye. Bye.